What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the Leader Swift Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Swifty Perry. Today, we have a great episode with Mark Clark, who is a lead pastor. He's an author and just a wealth of knowledge. This, this podcast literally takes up about 15 minutes, so we're just going to jump straight in to that conversation with Mark Clark. All right. What's up, everybody? I'm with our guest, Mark Clark. Mark, how's it going? Oh, it's going great. Thanks for having me, brother. Yeah. How's Canada right now? Oh, it is. Uh, we are isolated from the world just like everybody else. And uh, But it's, it's nice and sunny here in Vancouver, but it's just no one's out doing anything. We're all hit away trying to not give each other COVID at this point. Yeah. I heard Vancouver is like one of the nicest places in the world. Oh, I heard it's beautiful. Have you not been here? I've never been to Vancouver, never been to Canada. Oh my goodness. Really? Oh my goodness. Yeah. World-class city picture a glass, uh, a glass city on an ocean with mountains in the background with snow topping off all the mountains. That's Vancouver. That's amazing. I'm going to come visit once yeah. all this gets Basically cleared Middle up. Earth with a glass city. Yeah. Yeah. So you're, you're a lead pastor out there. You're an author. Um, tell us a little bit about your journey in leadership and, yeah, what you've learned on that way. Um, well, I got called into ministry when I was about 19. I just actually become a Christian, and I was going to go into the film industry and uh, some guys gathered around me, uh, around a campfire one night and just affirmed this weird, they're like, man, I don't think the spirit's calling you to go into the film industry. I think you're supposed to actually be a pastor, go into ministry, you know, whatever. And I'm like, well, what's that about? And so I started exploring, you know, what I would even look like and signed up for Bible college. I didn't grow up mom, like, Hey, look, this is actually a thing. I'm going to go study the Bible. And when I was in uh, Bible college, uh, people came around me and just said, I think God's got this for you and kind of a prophetic ministry and an apostolic ministry and a leadership thing. And so I started kind of leaning into some of those gifts, started loving academia, kind of moved out to uh, Vancouver in order to go and do a PhD is actually what I really wanted to do. Um, so Vancouver was kind of a stop. I was going to get a master's degree here and then go do a PhD overseas. And while I was here, God said, I actually want you to plant a church. Um, I remember the room I was in, uh, a guy got up, started talking about, if you want to reach your nation, you got to plant gospel center churches in all the major cities across your country, because the way you change a nation isn't by, you know, um, picketing courtrooms and whatever it's actually reaching the doctors and the lawyers and the and the the the, the judges and the in the media centers because culture flows downstream and so if you plant gospel center churches in the major cities across canada you can actually create change for a nation and right there in the moment the spirit was like this is you he's talking about you and i went home that night and i told my wife and uh and here we are still working on that project 10 years later, planted a church with 16 of us in my house and just said, let's tell people about Jesus. Uh, let's uh, be gospel centered and let's uh, preach the Bible and tell people to repent, which in Canada, you know, Matt wasn't really supposed to work because everyone's really nice. And, uh, <laughs> you know, you're not supposed to get up and tell them that they're wrong about stuff. And so I, I would just do that. I would just kind of go against the cultural stream 
which is, I think, probably a pretty big leadership principle. Uh, don't bow to the, the cultural pressures of, you know, <clears throat> necessarily everything that pragmatically works. I think sometimes we do need to do that, and we need to be shrewd as serpents and innocent as doves in that and be smart enough to, to use what works and feed people where they're at, but also not to cave to uh just those things but actually not be afraid to proclaim the bible even if it's counterintuitive tell people that they're sinful tell them they need to repent tell them they're not the hero of their own life and every problem they have is probably based on them trying to play that role but that jesus is the hero and uh i wasn't supposed to work and a bunch of canadians started saying oh man this is resonating with me i'm going to bring my friend and then their friends started to show up and we just started to grow and so we're now in uh six different cities in Canada and we have plans to, we have some people in the queue to plant in, uh, in Toronto and Halifax and Ottawa and Winnipeg. And right now we're in Vancouver and Calgary and a bunch of cities around Vancouver. So uh, the plan is to go across Canada with the time that we've got leverage video, leverage innovation, try to be as innovative as possible, leverage technology and uh, try to try to see people meet Jesus with the, with the 15 minutes metaphorically, you know, we have on this planet and we have as a church. So that's incredible. Yeah. I think one of the biggest things I've learned from you is, or I've been practicing is breaking down very academic things into very practical language. And you do that so well in your book, the problem of God. I'm so stoked for your new book, the problem of Jesus. Mm. <clears throat> yeah. The, the problem of God came out of me growing up as a skeptic. I, uh, my dad was an atheist. Um, I grew up with no church, no prayer, no Bible, no anything. So when I be, and, I'm, and I've always been an evidential, rationalistic thinker. So when I started to explore Christianity, I was like, okay, I got to make sure this thing actually makes sense. So I started studying, you know, the questions of, you know, origins and meaning and morality and destiny and evil and suffering and science versus faith and hell and sex and hypocrisy and exclusivity. And so I wrote a book on all those questions and, and, um, kind of the big questions that people are asking that keep them from being Christian. And when we started our church, um, I really wanted to make sure we played to that. Like, you know, churches, if they don't have a pointed focus and who they're trying to reach, then they kind of just reach nobody. Um, and so what I wanted to try to do was who am I going after? And one of the people I was going after was the skeptic was the unchurched person who had rational reasons to not like God. And every sermon I preached and have done, tried to for the last 10 years, has had elements of uh, an apologetic bent, a question, uh, uh, being able to answer the questions of a culture as we go. And so that's what the problem of God's about, uh, answering those kind of top 10 questions. And then uh, I think that's what a lot of preaching needs to be about, too. And then, of course, the problem of Jesus is following up more specifically with the person, the work of Jesus, his parables, the miracles, Jesus as God, how the Gospels work, the historical Jesus stuff. Kind of a one-stop shop, uh, cost of discipleship, loving God. I'm hoping it's kind of the one book people can get and go, okay, this is my book on Jesus, because it's got a bit of the apologetic academic bent, but then it's also very like grow deeper as a Christian devotional practical too. So hoping, uh, hearing really cool stories about how God's using the problem of God and hoping the same thing happens with the problem of Jesus. So Yeah, I know I'm excited. 
So, Mark, you're sitting in a room full of leaders. I, I know I've seen you at like Thrive Conference and a few others. You're sitting in this room full of leaders and they ask you, what is like one leadership tip you can give those leaders? What would you say? <laughs> oh, man, there's so many things. I mean, I, I think at a time like this, um, there's, of course, the character that needs to stay intact. My friend Kerry Newhoff talks about how, you know, competency gets you in the room and character keeps you there. And I think that that's true. I think guarding your life and doctrine maybe is is the advice I would give. And, and there's, you know, as Paul talks about, and if you're guarding your, your life, you're making sure that you have character because people follow character, right? Or the long term. And it's a long game, not a, it's a marathon, not a sprint. So young leaders need to understand that. Um, and so character has a litany of stuff around patience and wisdom and making sure that you're, you know, you're innocent as a dove in regard to evil and that kind of stuff. But that also shrewd in the sense that uh, you got to guard your doctrine. And I think people have to trust the gospel still. I think, you know, what, how you win people is what you win them to. And if you win them with just, um, just maybe entertainment and fun or whatever alone, and not point them to the gospel. Paul talks about the gospel is the power of God unto salvation, and that's actually still true. And what we've seen is when we trust the gospel, trust the Bible, uh, versus just myself and my creative team sitting in a room going, "What what new series can we do this month?" And what like, how do we keep on this treadmill, which is exhausting? Um, trust that when you preach the Bible and you let actually make that the thing and introducing people to the word, but also to the word behind the word, um, through doctrine, through scripture, through theology, trust that that actually works because that's actually what changes their life. That's what, when they're, you know, when their spouse gets diagnosed and their family members pass away and whatever, what is the steel you're going to put in their spine? Hopefully not the just the rowing church service that you put on with your principles that they can't remember that all start with the letter S, uh, you know, whatever. It's like the gospel. It's the Bible. It's my goodness. This is what put steel on my spine to wake up this morning was the fact that Jesus lived a perfect life in my place, died on the cross for my sin, rose again from death. Let's go. Like I'll give my life to that. And so I think re almost reminding ourselves reintroducing ourselves as leaders to the power of the gospel and the scriptures and then letting that flow out of our life as we try to be as practical as possible for people. Yeah, that is so good. That is, you just gave us so much depth in there, which sometimes I've been wrestling with this idea and possibly wanting to work on a, a dissertation on this idea of have we made leadership an idol in our church. And I think yeah, sometimes we have, we've, we've replaced gospel depth with practical leadership tips in a Sunday morning message, which there's, I love leadership, obviously. Right. I, I created a podcast for it, but some, <laughs> I think sometimes in some churches we've, we've made that leadership an idol because we think it's going to fill our seats more than the gospel bringing people in through the Holy spirit and through those convictions to, to actually enter in the doors. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, Larry Osborne uh, wrote a book about this, um, or at least it was a chapter uh, of one of his books. Um, I forget the name of the book, actually. It's something like... Is it the uh, Shepherd one? Con no, A Contrarian's Guide to Knowing God. Uh, I just I just saw it in my, in my uh, bookshelf here. 
And so uh, it makes the point you're making that he actually has a chapter where he says that the problem with leaders is they don't talk to their church in regard to their discipleship. They mistake disciple. They mistake leadership for discipleship. So when they get up in front of their church, they're like, okay, guys, here's what a disciple looks like. And then they go on to describe a leader. They give up all their money. They leave their homes. They do ministry. They do, they know, you know, blah, blah, blah. blah. And they, they do all these things. And he has this really beautiful way of going like, literally no one lives like that. Like you put the bar so high that you've eliminated every person in the new Testament that was actually, he's like, you put the bar in such a way that, um, you know, uh, Joseph of Arimathea gets cut out because he's rich and we know that disciples aren't rich, rich people are evil. Um, you've cut out, you know, a Nicodemus cause he kind of, runs away and you've cut out Peter, you've cut it, basically you've cut it. And then he talks about his own mom and he's like, you know, my mom, I don't think she ever read through the entire Bible her whole life. She was never part of a community group, never led a Bible study, basically never did what half of us define a disciple as. However, no one loved Jesus more. No one lived a more Christian life in my whole experience than my mother. And we create these paradigms and he, he quotes, you know, Paul, it says some people are called to a quiet and simplistic life. And that's actually a Bible verse. And sometimes, and I actually preached this one day, Matt, I got up in front of my church and repented to them for mistaking leadership with discipleship and said, some of you get called to this quiet life. And I keep pounding on you that you got to give all your money away and move to some country, and give up all your clothing. That's not, that's not an actual reality for your life. That's not, you know, so anyway, so I actually wanted to take that burden and weight off them. And I think that was probably a biblical thing to do as a leader. And I got a ton of feedback that was like, oh my goodness, thank you, Mark. Because so often you preach about the cost of discipleship, which is very true. However, how is it put in the context of real post-Christian modern Western world discipleship? Yeah, that is so good. I feel like we can do a whole nother episode. So we're going to have to bring you back again because that was just so, <laughs> so good, so deep. I just went to church right now, um, but, but that was good. Mark, where can they find you on social media? Uh, well, you can just look up my name on Facebook, uh, Mark Clark. Um, I have an author page probably the better one to follow uh, uh, Instagram is Mark underscore Clark that uh, I share a ton of stuff there a lot of stories a lot of I do these 10 minute videos and stuff like that there and then Twitter Mark A. Clark but yeah grab the book Problem God and uh, it's on Amazon obviously like everything else we buy in, in the world um, and yeah hopefully it can resource you and, and help you out as leaders That's amazing. Thank you so much, Mark, for hanging out with us. Yeah. Thanks for having me.